everyone. Welcome to Trust the Trail. We are your outdoor guides, Ariane Petrucci and Scott Jans. This is episode 126, An Accomplished Through Hiker. On this episode, we catch up with Carrie, aka Stitcher, at the completion of her Appalachian Trail through hike. You may remember her from episode 75, An Aspiring Through Hiker where she had only the dreams of hiking the entire Appalachian Trail. Catching up with her again on episode 86, Backpacking Beginnings, and then once more on episode 112, the journey begins with the first step, where she completes just her first 100 miles. For those of you who had followed her journey along with us, Carrie was a listener of ours, taking in all the advice she could. She reached out to us on a whim, where we happened to be free that day and figured, well, why not meet a listener of ours? All this time later, having become friends and having taken our boot camp class, we were extremely honored in having her ask us to walk the last mile up to Springer Mountain with her, completing her through hike this past weekend once and for all. You can always join in on the discussion on our Facebook group page. Just go to facebook.com forward slash group forward slash trust the trail podcast. Come hang out with this community of ours. Join the discussion. Throw your congratulations towards her. Um, Be part of our family and just hang out. Hang out. (laughs) I'm lost for words after that intro. It was a great intro, by the way. Um, so we wanted to give Carrie uh, a couple days uh, to rest before we uh, before we gave her a call and uh, to see how she was doing. Um, Carrie's doing great. Uh, you'll hear it on our uh, podcast. We've we've had a chance to talk to her uh, kind of in length uh, a little bit um, uh, on the down low, and uh, she's she's really doing good um, for someone who just got done um, backpacking for five and a half months. So we were able to meet her husband, and it just we just had a, a great time up on Springer, and we we actually uh, popped a little champagne, had a little champagne on on top, and uh, just just had a had a great day. Um, and the Springer parking lot was packed, <laughs> foggy, as it always is up on top of Springer Mountain in northern Georgia. But we just had a great time. So we're going to call Carrie and we're going to ask her some questions. Um, hope you guys get some value out of it. So here is Stitcher. Well, hello, Carrie. How are you? I'm well. How are you two doing? <laughs> we're, we're good. Uh, you're the one with the big accomplishment, though. Yes, yes, I did uh, just get done with walking a mere uh, 2,192 miles, in matter of fact. <laughs> yeah, that's nothing. So um, it was so good to see you at the Springer parking lot. Um, you just looked, you had the gleam in your eye, a little, I'd like to say you had a little pep in your step, but I don't think you did. I think you're pretty much like, okay, I'm done. Let's just get up there and, and, and be done with it. But it was really good to see you, you had such a... You have such a smile on your face. I was elated to see the both of you as well. My husband met me there too. I think I was most excited. I knew that from that spot, Springer was 0.9 away, meaning back to the parking lot was 0.9. Because when I went up Katahdin, it was five and a half up it and just that much just down it as well. (laughs) It was nice knowing that when I summited, I only had a 
one mile hike back to the parking lot. <laughs> I believe you were dragging your poles on the way back down. <laughs> I don't even know if I used them. <laughs> so let's talk about that moment because, you know, at, when doing a through hike, you envision this moment of, of hitting that end goal. Um, and no matter how you swing it, there's expectations and there's thoughts and there's so much drive and excitement towards that one moment. What honestly went through your mind when you were up at the top of Springer? Oh, goodness. Um, I was amazed, honestly, just how quickly when I, you know, touched the sign and the full hike was over, how tired my body got all of a sudden. Like I had been tired, I knew going into this, but it was almost like a complete relief and my body knew immediately. Um, but finishing it completely, it still just seems surreal. And um, even right now today, I said to my husband, I'm like, gosh, I can't believe it's October already. Like everything, the last five and a half, six months, it, it seems like it never even happened some days. Um, I don't know. Surreal would be the only way to say it. <laughs> it you, 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 you say it, sometimes it doesn't really feel like it happened, but your body is like, oh, no, it happened. Yeah, no, it, it definitely happened. So um, tell us a little bit about, um, you know, I, I guess, you know, some of your experiences on the trail. I, one of the things I'd kind of like to know um, is when did, when did your hike when did your hike go from you know, the physical aspect of it to the mental aspect of it? Um, and did you ever think, okay, I'm, I'm done. I'm, 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 I'm over. I'm, I'm just done. And uh, how did you kind of get, get through that? All right. So with my hike, um, if anybody's listened previously, I am a flip flopper. So the reason I say that is because to me, my hike is definitely broken into two different halves. Um, I started out as a Nobo, and then when I summited Katahdin, you know, I come back to the middle of the trail where I had begun, and then I become a Sobo. And those were two completely different hikes for me in every aspect you can look at it. Um, <laughs> the one question you did ask, did you ever want to quit? Hell, yes, I wanted to quit. <laughs> I know exactly where I was what I was doing um, in Vermont is definitely where I had my breaking point. So Vermont to me, you know, I would have started <clears throat> Front Royal slash Harper's Ferry area, Vermont two months in or so. Um, all it did was rain and everybody knows that Vermont's already nicknamed Vermud. So it's kind of a, a damp area to begin with. But on the day I wanted to quit, I hiked five miles and I cried for four and a half of them just like not out of pain just out of complete mental fatigue and just wanting to quit um, got to a shelter and misery loves company there were AT hikers there and there was long trail hikers there and everybody was miserable <laughs> but with that being said nobody was letting anybody quit you know we knew it was going to pass we knew we could get through it um but nothing like getting to shelter at 10 a.m. in the morning and have it be full. Yeah. <laughs> and then just the camaraderie as people came across it. Um, but getting through that, I don't know what made me get through it because for better or worse, my mother was visiting the next day and it would have been so easy just to get in the vehicle and go home. Um, 
but I was at a hostel. I got dried off, got town food as much as people say it and it's cliche as it is a day off the trail will make you miss the trail. Um, and just being human again, you know, getting a shower, getting clean clothes and getting good food. Um, your whole attitude flips around. And honestly, I did have a turning point because from there I started hiking with a section hiker that that week we experienced a lot of off-trail things. You know, we went to the, the roadside stands and the different trail ranges along the way. Um, got my first experience flat packing, which hands down, I wish it's flat packing. <laughs> you get a chance to. Um, that week we also, you know, went to one of the infamous locations on trail known as the Yellow Deli. Uh, oh, that yeah. we, we know it well. Probably a, a, a podcast on its own but nobody knows what's happening at the yellow deli you can look that up on your own um but had a lovely time there and uh then like i said started hiking with then another through hiker that um her and i ended up completing the northern half with together from there on out um was it's, that the question? I mean, that was from wanting, wanting to quit and keep on going. It's um, so mental. It's so mental out there. And I, I think that that's one thing that so many people are unprepared for is they hear it, uh, how, you know, a bad day can adjust their entire plan. And it, it's, it's one thing knowing that it's going to happen. And it's another thing truly experiencing it. Um, certainly. Um, like you said, with that mental part of it, the Virginia Blues definitely took hold on my second half. Um, Virginia's 544 miles, I want to say. And I always say, you know, with Virginia, you have really high highs. You have the Triple Crown, and you have the Grayson Highlands, and you have the Shenandoahs. But other than those three things, you have another 500 miles of just miles, just putting right. in miles. So that was definitely a you know, just hiking to hike type situation. And then the physicality of hiking, when you hit New Hampshire, nothing prepares you for the rock climbing that you're going to be doing for the next 200 miles. <laughs> you know, everybody makes note about the whites and this and that, but I mean, it is straight vertical hand over hand rock climbing. And the hiker hobble as you come out of your tent each morning and you know everybody's just trying to shuffle to the privy because nobody's achilles work and their your knees don't work anymore um definitely two different things but at the end of the day i'd almost rather take the physical because you know why you're tired than the mental because you can't get your brain to you know loosen up sometimes well how long was it into your hike um when you left harper's ferry that you started feeling, you know, your body started saying, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to be hiking today. And so you started seeing your mileage increase. You started, you know, you just kind of started, uh, if you ever felt a little bit better about uh, some of the longer mileage days, because in the end, uh, you were doing some pretty big miles coming back through Georgia. So um, when, when did that kind of start for you when you, after you left Harper's Ferry? Well, so again, for my northern half, I was getting the miles in, but I was hiking with that quote-unquote tramway. You know, you're hiking with certain people, you're, you set a destination. Um, so some days I felt like I could hike more, but if my tramway didn't feel like they could, I really kind of, you know, placated to that. Um, you know, when I got up into Vermont, I was I could do a 20 mile day, but it would definitely fatigue me the next day um, where the next day I'd only want to do like a 10. So 
again, that northern half of it, I kind of did stay around the 15-mile day. When I flip back down south, you do kind of become a solo hiker, or at least I did, because in the flip-flopping community, people started at different locations. Um, you know, they had different time constraints that they had to work around. So I was hiking a lot by myself. So the big thing there was, well, I'm either going to be sitting in a shelter by myself or I'm going to be hiking, so might as well hike. And I stealthed a lot more in the south. Um, so I was being able to pull the 25s and the 26s day after day and not being fatigued about it. So that really boils down to, yes, my body could do it in the north, but I was working with, you know, the family and going shelter to shelter, where in the south, I didn't hike shelter to shelter. I hiked from sun up to sundown and just put my tent down. So that that brings up a, a question that I had wanted to ask you is uh, you had started it, once you hit that mental aspect of, you know, uh, perhaps a few roadblocks, you had that camaraderie to kind of help pull you through those moments. Once you started going southbound, um, how did that change for you in those like, darker moments or those days where you needed a little extra push and you had to rely more solely on yourself. Uh, did that alter? Did you, were you able to resource some of your previous experiences? Um, did it, did it change? Did having hiked with somebody beforehand and able to pull you out, did that help you or did it hurt you in the long run? It really did become, you know, that whole hike your own hike the second half. Um, I had to position it for me to accomplish little goals each day, or not each day, but almost each week. And by that, I mean, I would set it up like, okay, I'm seeing my husband Friday, I'm seeing friends on, you know, this Friday, I'm going to do a hostel this other day, and just really breaking it up week by week. Um, rather than looking like, oh my God, I have 600 more miles. I have 400 more miles. It's like, nope, I have four more days. And then I'm seeing some girlfriends that are visiting, um, five more days. I'm going to be at max patch and just little things like that. Um, and it allowed me to push bigger miles. Um, not having, I don't know when you have, you know, people you're hiking with, it's pros and cons because you do have to kind of make your hike fit everybody's needs where when you're hiking by yourself, it's like, Nope, I want to sit on this log and I have internet right now. And I want to do some scrolling. I know that sounds crazy when you're out in the woods, just because you're taking it all in, but <laughs> you just need that like dose of reality. Like, Oh gosh, I haven't seen this meme. Um, and when you're hiking by yourself, you don't, you're not holding anybody up that way. Um, so like I said, I kind of got a best of both worlds to me. I, got to experience the whole camaraderie and you know the littler miles and the bigger AT experiences when I was going north and then going south I got to challenge myself you know I've been working really hard to do this I had my pack dialed in and I knew what I could do for miles and it was just very interesting to see how much more I could add on each day. So uh, for the the all the female hikers out there and all the women that go out backpacking and potential through hikers, what was it like um, being a female by herself out on the trail? And, uh, you know, did, did it play any kind of part in it or, you know, how, how did that experience affect you? 
So again, the northern half, it was funny because when I did summit Katahdin, there were six of us ladies who summited at the same time. We all became friends, but none of us knew each other. Um, and then we only started hiking in and around each other in the last, like maybe 10 days of our hike. Uh, you get to a certain point and you're going to see the same people at the shelters because you're typically doing the same mileage each time. Um, so we all kind of had a good laugh about that because no matter where we were, oh, do you all start together? Do you all know each other? <laughs> and it's like, so we all made a joke. So yes, we, you know, we're summiting together. We all started, you know, we've all synced up is what we said. Yeah. Um, and, you know, yes, they, I all, I liked all these ladies, but I didn't know them. Um, but it was just that constant question. Oh, did you all start together? It's like, no, just because we're female, we didn't all start together. Um, so. And then being a woman on the trail, especially being a solo woman, you know, heading south, I was, for you know, better or worse, but people kept track of me very easily. Um, I was hiking in and around people constantly that were either day ahead of me or day behind me. And it was very easy to point out like, oh, the girl in the orange dress, because I did switch <laughs> to a dress for my second half. And that was uh, one of the hikers. I hadn't seen him for a couple of days and we ended up meeting up at a shelter. We were both getting water. We weren't staying there. And he's like, Oh, I heard you're going to finish on Saturday now. And I just kind of chuckled. Like I hadn't seen him in three or four days. I didn't have a cell number and he knew just via the grapevine that I had, you know, moved my summit date up. Um, so it did put a little extra eyes on you and out on the trail. That's a good thing. Um, people are expecting to see you places where you'd pass through. Um, you're just a little bit more visible being a woman. And I'm saying that in a good way because it's nice to know that people are looking out for you. Okay. We saw the outfit you uh, finished in. <laughs> yes. You were visible on the trail. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I did have a uh, light heart gear dress, which is meant specifically for backpacking. And it happened to be bright orange where people wanted to be like, what a good idea for hunting season, which is all fine and well, but let's not kid ourselves. It was on clearance and it was $10 <laughs> cheaper than any of the other dresses. So it looked great. And I'm like, yep, that one will do. <laughs> I have, I, but yeah, you, you could not miss me. You could not miss you. But <laughs> I, I think, <laughs> I think your point um that you make it's such a hot topic being a woman out on the trail going at a through hike alone um you know you hit two of those key points that people are very intrigued by you know being a solo woman hiking and and what is that experience truly like and then also experiencing both north and south and the differences of what it obtains for you hiking with people versus hiking more for yourself. Um, so in a nutshell, I would say you've really experienced a huge gamut of a lot of people's questions out there. Um, so it's, it's really unique to, to be able to gain your perspective on it. So. Yeah. I mean, a couple of things that were a little comical, you know, when there was that mass amount of, I would say mass amount, the six of us hiking, you know, we get the shelters together. Some older gentlemen would always be like, can we, can I take a picture of you? I want to share it with my wife. You know, that was the big thing. And then of course, my question constantly was, which I hated, I can't believe your husband allowed you to do this. <laughs> and I'm lucky I didn't choke on things right there. Um, and then, oh, why didn't he want to come? Um, and my big belief is with the spouses, if you love them, leave them home. Because unless everybody <laughs> involved in this situation it's not fun for the person who doesn't want to be there 
and the person who doesn't want to be there, it becomes their hike. So to me, you know, I have a great relationship. He had zero intentions on going backpacking and it made my life a whole lot easier. So let's kind of briefly talk a little bit about gear. Um, what kind of backpack did you have with your, with your, uh, on your third hike? So the manufacturer and a lot of my, um, bigger gear items are all cottage companies. It's a, a company called Edoa Gear. It is based out of Missouri. It was a Dyneema backpack, uh, lightweight. So it was a one pound, seven ounces. And um, it had an um, aluminum frame inside, and that was about all she wrote. 55 liters with the Dynamo um, in the backpacking world. That's kind of the buzzword right now. But it's made out of the sailboat sails, so it's semi-waterproof. The manufacturer doesn't guarantee it to be waterproof because it's not seam-sealed. But uh, midway through my hike, I'm like, well, I don't need to carry this rain cover anymore because it's just that much more poundage. So I got rid of that and it held up really well as far as the water was concerned. Yeah. So for our listeners, if, you know, if you guys are looking for uh, gear at discounted prices, um, you can go to the backpacker store. The backpacker store is where like all the top gear companies like REI, Moose Jaw, Hyperlite, Climate, uh, a bunch of others, all, it's all in one place. Uh, the gear starts at 35% off. So you can go and, to the search bar up on top and just type in Hyperlite and see all the Hyperlite gear that is on for sale um, and all your other favorite uh, gear places. That's uh, the backpackerstore.com and it's got a bunch of discounted gear out there just for our uh, podcast listeners. And when you came off the trail, Carrie, it didn't even look like you had anything in your backpack. <laughs> I know you didn't have any food or water in there other than the pepperoni, but man, I mean, your backpack looked pretty tiny. So, I mean, let's talk about kind of like weight. What do you know your average pack weight out there? Not at all. Um, well, I know you, made it up. I know you those... got that question a lot and you made it up a lot of times. <laughs> I made it up depending on what day it was. You know, I was like, I don't know. Um, I would say my base weight 10 pounds and that was doing some quick math in my head. Um, you know, my bigger items, my tent was two pounds. My sleeping bag was a pound, two ounces. Uh, my heaviest items are always food and then water. Um, I would tend to carry more food with me because you carry your fears. And I was afraid I was going to die on the trail of starvation because, <laughs> I mean, there's only a town every 18 inches. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, when I hiked in and saw you guys at Springer, I knew I was ending that day and I bought a pound of pepperoni like two days before. You were I trying to it. offload that pepperoni on yeah, everybody. We knew you were coming down the trail with all the bears that were following you on the trail. You know it. It was a great snack on the way home. <laughs> so um, um, how did your, how did your uh, I'm kind of curious, uh, your uh, light hard gear, uh, your, your tent, your light hard tent, how did that work out for you? I, I mean, from day one, I've loved that tent. There's so much space in it. I have the So Long Six. Um, I slept on multiple bulbs with it. So, like, I slept up on Max Patch and a little bit tidbit windy, um, but the tent <laughs> held up fine. No issues at all. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, no leaks, no nothing. And what I love most about it, and everybody's heard me say this before, is no guidelines. Because I don't get along with guidelines. Yes, <laughs> it we, was we, we uh, <laughs> very easy to set up. Um, only thing to you know consideration, and this has nothing to do with the tent that I purchased. But anytime you purchase a trekking pole tent, it's not going to go on the uh, platforms that are provided. That's just one thing to keep in mind. You do need a freestanding tent to have those platforms work with you. Um, so anytime there was platforms, I found myself in shelters, or I just found myself myself stealthing um to avoid that situation because i didn't want to have to screw do any screw eyes or anything into the platforms right so i i want to remind all the listeners i mean we haven't heard our listeners haven't been connected to you in in quite some time outside of our our facebook uh community facebook group page but you really started out with very little experience, car camping at most. Um, you jaunted into the woods for a very abruptly cold evening with Scott one night <laughs> to test some things out. Um, so I, indirectly, you, you had some pre-notions of what it was going to feel like. You you kind of had a perspective of what you imagined you were walking into. How has that altered now, having achieved what you've achieved, which is huge, congratulations. But how has your perspective on backpacking altered from when you first started? So when it comes to backpacking, I stayed with a trail angel in Vermont, and they gave me the best two cents on it and said, all backpacking is is the uh, unwillingness to quit. That's the only thing that makes a good backpacker is being stubborn. And <laughs> well, I do have the stubborn gene. So, and when it boils down to it, that was what I, a mantra I kept repeating to myself was just continue to be stubborn. Um, because yes, I had zero backpacking experience. That's why I did take the backpacking course with Scott. Um, and a lot of it, though you want to say it's learned by doing and trial by fire, that's only going to work so much when you're in the backcountry because if something's not working for you and it's going to take a few days to get to town, even town might not have the answer for you. Um, I know a lot of us out there on the trail, we hit up the big old REI stores, which are great when you're home and you can drive over and do what you need to do. But when you're going up the AT, there's not REIs along the trail at all because they want to, you know, keep the mom and pop in business, which I wholeheartedly, you know, appreciate. But when you need a gear change out, you know, there's not this return policy anymore. So you do kind of have to have that good shakedown, know what you need, know what you don't need, and be prepared to have, um, I mean, we're I say we, we're backpackers now. I mean, we all have earbuds <laughs> at home. Um, so even I knew I now. did need to switch. <laughs> even me. Um, I did need to switch out my sleeping bag, but I had planned for that. Um, but I know some hikers on the trail, you know, just their gear wasn't working. And then there you are, and you're spending lots of money at these amazing outfitters who don't have clearances and don't have sale prices. Um, so that's just something to keep in mind as you both speak about time and time again, know your gear, do your shakedowns, what works, what doesn't work. Um, because when it doesn't work for you and you're in the backcountry, three days can feel like an eternity until you get to town. 
Well, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head because, you know, when we go to trail days, uh, you know, uh, the one year that Ariane hiked it, um, I can't even tell you how many backpackers through hikers were switching out their gear and spending almost another, uh, you know, $500, $700 on new gear at trail days, you know, because it, it's, they didn't get to use, they didn't get to know their gear in the beginning. You know, they just thought, well, a tent is a tent is a tent, but you know, not, not really all the time. And uh, so that you, you bring up a, a really, a really good, really good point. Um, so I guess, you know, like we saw you in Dahlonega for the very first time we met you as a podcast listener at Dahlonega Fest <laughs> and we sat at the picnic table with you and we did an interview with you and you, our podcast was called an uh, aspiring through hiker and you were, you were thinking about it. You were planning it. You were pretty sure you were going to do it. And uh, um, if, if you, now that you came off a of Springer and you've hiked the entire trail, one could say you're now a backpacking expert. <laughs> one could say you're a backpacking expert. <laughs> Putting that on the resume. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you had to go back to that picnic table, knowing what you know now, and talk to yourself at that picnic table when you're thinking, what, what advice would you say? What would you, what would you tell that person that, you know, probably had a ton of worries, uh, probably a ton of fear, probably a ton of um, anxiety about going out there? What, what advice would you tell yourself? So that stubborn mantra definitely did help me. I wish I would have, you know, gotten that from day one and not day eight weeks in, in Vermont, um, having that really did help me. And then other than that, one thing that a through hiker had told me, I'd reached out to him the night before I went to, um, Oh, front Royal, as he said, you can't control the weather and you can't control an injury, hike your own hike. And it was beautiful. It was wrapped up. That's I think what everybody needs to understand is you can't control the weather. So just hike, and you really can't control an injury. So prevent it the best you can. Yeah, and and I think you know really from the most part too is that you don't really need much out there, do you? No, not at all. And trail- if you're going to overpack anything, let it be toilet paper. <laughs> is there a story <laughs> there? Those are, those are words to live by. No, somebody told me that, and I was like, because I used to be that person, you know, you get a um, oh, a hotel, or you'd get, you know, we'd never steal it from a, a, a hostel, but you just in there, you know, raveling at it. And one through hiker I met, I met him right in Harbors Ferry, and, you know, he was a nobo, so he had already come almost half the trail. He said, just pull out the, the cardboard inner tube and take a whole roll with you. It's not going to make a difference. And by golly, I've hiked with a whole roll ish. You know, every time my husband would visit, I'm like, bring a, bring, you know, a semi used roll. <laughs> and I would pull the cardboard out and hike with it. And that is Carrie's pro tip. You guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's the best. <laughs> and, and that's the magic of success on the, on the Appalachian Trail. It's the toilet paper. It's not anything else. It's- it can make or break you out there. I mean, at the end of the day, backpackers will share a lot, but sometimes toilet paper is like, mm, you should have prepared better. <laughs> Oh, oh, that's hilarious. Oh, Carrie, I can't even 
begin to express how amazing it was to watch you summit and complete this this dream of yours and while you looked completely exhausted while you were up at Springer you know you also had this underlining accomplishment that you knew was just gonna like kick in in a few days and I I am so proud of you I'm so excited to know you having accomplished this like being part of your journey watching your journey unfold um, in ways that we couldn't even connect to was such was such a beautiful thing for us to get to to watch you go through and a huge congratulations for completing it I know it's no easy feat well I thank think, you so very much I think <laughs> and I, I again you guys coming out was that was just so nice of you guys to be there <laughs> Well, I haven't, uh, uh, we haven't uh, popped champagne on top of Springer in a long time, but you are definitely uh, deserving of, um, of a little uh, drinky of champagne on top of Springer. <laughs> so that was, that was uh, very, very humbled to be able to share that with you and your husband. And I'm glad he got to hike up Springer uh, and uh, share that moment with you. Uh, it was really cool to meet him and uh, kind of hear what his life has been like without you for, uh, for a few months and uh, getting to know him uh, quite a bit. Um, but I, I'll tell you what, whenever I look back at the photographs of you on Springer, I'll always remember one thing you told me on our very first backpacking trip when we were covered in plastic in the morning time because the wind was blowing directly into the shelter. And I mean, it was probably a little past daybreak. And I go, Carrie, and you go, we can go now. Oh, <laughs> my God. Yes. We, <laughs> I'm ready to go when you are. I mean, it was probably the worst. of. Did you ever experience another cold morning like that, the whole trip on the trail? Oh gosh, no. Um, I, I had cold mornings, but I was better prepared and I slept in shelters that weren't directly facing into the open wind. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh, well, we're really proud of you, man. Thank you so much for, uh, for the whole time, for the whole, uh, sharing your experience from, uh, from the very thought of doing it to getting on there to, to flip flopping and what that experience was like. And then finally, um, from from ending your your through hike so congratulations thank you thank you for being our friend and thank you for being on on the podcast for sure oh well i appreciate the thank yous but it definitely goes both ways and then the community you know our little family here that we have on the trust the trail um podcast i mean at the end of the day like you said we met at delonica it was a message i sent you to and said hey can we meet up i'm gonna drive to georgia um you know, it is pretty cool what the internet does these days. And, uh, you know, if anybody in the community has any questions, feel free to reach out directly or just ask on, um, oh, the page that we're all on there on Facebook. Um, would love to help where I can. By no means am I an expert, but I mean, I have walked a couple miles. So just a it's few. been pretty good. <laughs> just a few. As you, as you so clearly stated, um, I'm tired now. I think I'm going to go home. <laughs> as, as one Mr. Forrest Gump had said, yes. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a little bit tired. I think I'll go home now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Carrie. Well, thank you so much. 
Thank you as well. Bye. (laughs) So thank you guys so much for listening. If you enjoy this podcast, please post a comment on iTunes or review it on Apple Podcasts. It always helps spread the word about our podcast to all the other listeners out there. Shout outs to our new Facebook members. And we had a lot of them today. Thank you, you guys, so much. We, we love our, our community, but we really love our patrons. Rick, Jerry, Shirley, Chuck, Jerry, Suzanne, Brad, Bill, Nick, Helene, Mike, Jacqueline, and, of course, Danny, Jack Masters, and our newest, Amy Tappendorf. Really love you guys. Patreon is a secure platform that lets you support your favorite podcasts or content creators. All you need to do is create an account and go to Trust the Trail Podcast, and as little as $2 a month, get special benefits for exclusive content. Our podcasts are available on any of your favorite podcatchers. If we are not on one that you listen to, let us know, and we'll make sure that we're on it so you can get Trust the Trail Podcast. You can also follow us on Instagram, Trust the Trail, and our Trust the Trail Facebook page. So I think... Listening to Carrie and listening to her entire story from start to finish. It's kind of safe to say that the trail does give you everything and more that you need. So trust the trail, you guys. Bye.